0: On today's show, our special guest is Mina Williams, owner of Blanc & Rouge, a wine shop and tasting room in Snoqualmie. We have information on the surprising closing announcement of Sitka & Spruce and lots of events around town and in eastern Washington. It's all coming up on the Seattle Dining Show.
1: Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... B&E Meats and Seafood, your neighborhood butcher with four locations to serve you in Des Moines, Birien,
2: Newcastle, and the top of Queen Anne Hill. Unique products, great meats, the freshest seafood, and a knowledgeable, friendly staff make shopping at B&E Meats and Seafood the best choice.
0: This is Bridget Charters of the Hot Stove Society. Welcome to the Seattle Dining Show.
1: Coming to you live from the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today.
0: Welcome to the October Seattle Dining Show, number 1910. I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, publisher and owner of Seattle
2: Dining. Oh, hey there. How you doing? Excellent. You know, I've I've been doing a lot of work down in the garage, cleaning out all the spider webs and stuff. You know, this is a dining magazine. You're not going to tell me you were eating them, were you? Have you noticed all the spider webs in my hair now? (gasps) Is that why it's salt and pepper? Have you noticed how there's stuff, spiders living in there, too? No. Happy Halloween, everybody!
0: (laughs) I thought you were feeling excellent because it's October, the birth, the birth, the month of both of our births. Yeah, the birth of the baby (laughs) Connie. Yeah, and Tommy. Yeah! (coughs) It's a good month. It's a good month. So, you were thinking you would like to have to start off the monthly discussion.
2: I would like to dig a big hole in the ground about all these people that are talking about the minimum wage is killing their business. And I've done a little thinking about this. Now, you know, the Landry's group is going to come in and pick up all the RUI stores. And if they follow suit the way they do anywhere else, they're going to shut them all down. At least some of them. Yeah, I mean, what do we got left here? McCormick's. When they did that buy, they got we got the one McCormick's left in, in Bellevue. Bellevue. Everything yeah. else is gone. The ones downtown are gone. The one on mm-hmm. uh, Westlake is yeah. gone.
0: Pa- well, it was first and fourth. Uh, yeah. Palomino is already gone in Bellevue, so they just got downtown.
2: Okay, and then you got uh, Palisade. Pal- yeah, that's going to be that's going to hurt, but. You know that's probably going to go down, just like they took down Jeez. the McCormicks down on on uh, Lake Union. Yeah,
0: if you if you go back and read Ronald Holden's article on Seattle dining mm-hmm. about that whole brouhaha, he was he was talking. Well, of course, he was talking to the guy who started RUI originally, and he said that that RUI doesn't have the sales in general dining, but they've really done a killer job on catering. So, I mean, maybe it will. The whole, do you think the whole thing could go to an event space? Maybe. That's not that's really a an, possibility. That's I not would, really a Landry's kind of thing to do, though.
2: Not that I would think. I've never yeah. seen him do that before. Mm-mm. Um, so, so then uh, we took a look at our dining directory. Mm-hmm. Now, when we started that up in 2000, Three. well, when you and I really yeah. built it. Yeah, uh, back in about two thousand two. Yeah, uh, it had a thousand restaurants in it. Oh, did it? Yeah, we didn't. I can remember at one well, time when I was it. doing it. Like it seven hundred. I was
0: going to say I can remember at one time looking at it and it was okay. eight hundred.
2: And of course, you know, I always told you don't put the yaks yakitori in yeah. there and all the little corner taco shops and stuff. Don't put those in there. So we never did. So yeah, I guess it started up around 700, it grew to about a thousand. Then we had the recession in 2007 Mm -hmm. right now, that restaurant directory and, and we have hard time keeping up with keeping it current uh, is sitting at about 1200 to 1300 restaurants Mm -hmm. right now. Um, And we don't have them all. Like you say, we don't have them all. Exactly. So we got a problem where we have too many restaurants in this city. Now, let's take the minimum wage. Uh, can I you know, go back for a minute though? Yeah, sure. I would be interested in knowing
0: what the percentage of growth in population was as a po- at, and compare it to the percentage of growth in restaurants. I mean, can the population of Seattle and environs support as many restaurants are, as Did are it here? go
2: up 30%? I don't know. I don't That's know. my question. <clears throat> anyway, well, go on. It's apparently it's not because here's what's really going on. Um, We got a lot of restaurants, and they are not full. Uh, You and I can go downtown pretty much any night of the week Mm -hmm. and get a a table anywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, We don't have to use open table and make a reservation. We don't have to, uh, you know, um, stand in line anywhere. Well, every weekend when we go to Beth's. Yeah, we do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. We haven't been there in years. Uh, Beth's is an (laughs) anomaly, and everyone knows it. (laughs) Um, so, so here's, here's the other deal. Here's a, here's a prime example. Somebody was talking the other day about, well, you know, now, uh, now Morton's is gone. Yeah, it is. It's been gone for a couple of years now oh, yeah. and you can stand at the corner of where Morton's is and you can point your finger at three other steakhouses. We have too many steakhouses in that one little area. Yeah. And so if someone's not doing well financially, are they going to blame it on the minimum wage or are they going to say, "Hey, I think I made a mistake and put a steakhouse here when there's already three others." Yeah. And so, you know, is 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 paying someone a fair wage really reason to say that your business is going down or did you make some mistakes in opening up a location somewhere where you shouldn't have? Uh, is your food quality really there? Is your service really there? There's a lot you got to look at. You can't point the finger at the minimum wage, which is which is a fair wage to pay somebody, especially in a city like Seattle where it's so darn expensive. Yeah. And and whether that those employees actually live here or in Bellevue or Linwood or mm-hmm. Renton, this is an expensive area to live in. So you got to pay them a fair wage. Uh, Go ahead. One of the, one of the things that and
0: i and i don't know i have no facts about this so this is just me talking but i think there are jobs that may not be worth 16 dollars an
2: hour i mean that are not worth 16 dollars
0: yeah. an hour do you think that's true i mean sometimes like somebody can like a somebody in a wait staff Can make sixteen bucks an hour, and the person mopping the floor in the kitchen is making sixteen bucks an hour.
2: Yeah, and that person's breaking a sweat, and the person sitting up at the front desk is not breaking a sweat. Yeah, but they're making a lot of people very specifically happy. Hopefully, yeah, and the floor's clean too, isn't it? Yeah, come on, I mean, everybody, you you know, you, you know what I'm saying, though. I mean, yeah, but if you go back to you know the way minimum wage was back in the '50s, and Everybody was doing pretty good. Yeah. And then you do your rate of inflation against that. 16 bucks is the rate. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. So, uh, I, no, I, I, I think it's fair to. Somebody's mopping a floor. They should be getting 16 bucks an hour. I can't say that's not worth $16 an hour. Clean floor. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, here's another thing. You know, some of these people that are squeaking and squawking are charging service charges. And when we get to a restaurant and we see that on our check, there's a lot of restaurants we don't go back to because they do a service charge. Why didn't you just build it into the food? You know, somebody's charging a 10%, a 15%, automatic service charge. Uh, I think, you know, in talking to chefs and restaurant
0: owners, um, if they f- they fear that if they were to actually charge what it costs them to procure the food and then build in their overhead, that nobody would come into the restaurant because it would be so much more than it is now, and I think there's some truth to that. That people don't think it through. They walk in yesterday. I paid twenty two for this. Today I'm paying thirty five for this, and I'm pissed.
2: It's not thirty five. That's not the difference. You no, know, twenty two thirty
0: five. I'm, I'm doing just- a. I'm yeah, just doing a little story yeah. um, You know People don't sit and say Well gosh If that's actually what he had to pay You know If the, sh- if the chef had to pay 28 bucks a pound to get this food And then you've got your overhead on that That's not an unreasonable thing And I'd rather do that I'd like to Personally I'd like to get rid of tipping altogether
2: I'd love to see it go away yeah. I would love to see tipping go away mm. um, and, and, and by doing that You've got to pay these guys a fair wage yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. But but you build it into the cost of you know, into the menu prices. You don't put it as a surcharge at the end of the tab. You know. Yeah. So I don't like that. Um Another thing that I was thinking
0: about is and this is uh, stick with me on this analogy, but there's been all this stuff in the paper about Felix Hernandez, you know, last time with the Mariners and how sad it was. And one of the articles I was reading was saying that he didn't seem to understand that the way he was training and what he was doing was no longer helping him, and so he was not as successful as he was ah, in the beginning. that's a good point. And, and the people around him sort of said, we saw it, but he didn't, and he continued to train the same way and continued to go downhill. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of thinking Seattle has changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. Are, are restaurant people not... I mean and does anybody really know where that's going? Are, are we not changing ideas with the way the city's changing? Like for instance, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were talking about how all the techies have come in and they really they work a lot and they really like having things delivered and it doesn't really matter to them that the food isn't the same quality as what you would get in the restaurant when it comes fresh out of the kitchen it doesn't matter to them they just want to go home and sit on the couch and eat it go to bed and get up and go to work in the morning
2: well so I'll tell you.
0: you know that's something and then and this gets back to a little bit about your too many steak houses analogy look at chanick that everybody thought would be so popular it's a you know a branch from vancouver bc of indian food that everyone loved and mm-hmm. she came down and did it it was really quite good mm-hmm. um and the place was so nice but everybody was wrong about needing a nice upscale restaurant in South Lake Union because there was so much construction, there were so many people just going to food trucks at lunch, and then they would go out of the neighborhood
2: for yeah. dinner. Yeah.
0: And so are we? is part of this problem of going down, people not making it, again, not about the wage, but about how we view, you know, that seemed to make sense, but if you really thought about it, it didn't make sense mm-hmm. to put that in there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So you know, is that part of the problem?
2: We're not—we're we're the Felixes who aren't seeing what we need to see. Well, now I got two two points to make here. Okay, on, uh, based on what you were talking about. Um, number one, I'm seeing a lot of activity for healthier food at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's more organic food at the grocery store. There's Definitely. more grass fed choices. And I talk to some restaurateurs, and they laugh at me when I say to them, "Hey, is your beef going to be grass fed?" Yeah. And they laugh. And it's like. No, serious. You know, people are looking for this. We know that it's better for you. People are trying to eat better. We can't do it all the time. But then when we find a restaurant, like look at our friends at Duke's. They went with uh, uh, all organic chicken. chicken. And they started up with that uh, grass-fed filet mignon. Right. So, so they're they're moving, they're progressing, they're changing with the times. Mm-hmm. And everybody who's laughing at me and not worrying about getting organic and not worrying about getting grass fed and and that sort of thing, you know. Uh, and then the yeah. next thing I know, same person squawking and squeaking about the minimum wage is killing my business. It's yeah. it's not only the minimum wage. You're not you're not keeping up with the times. Yeah.
0: And interestingly, people will say. Um, you can't as a restaurant afford to have all organic or grass fed and all that it's too expensive but do you see duke's closing down no i don't I, there hasn't been a single duke's closing down and they've no, put they the opened big up boy their new location yeah. in lake union
2: and they hardly even knew the old one went down yeah so so it's it's interesting and and they're a small you know they're local they're not owned by yeah. the Landrys or anybody yeah. like that uh, okay, then the second thing is uh, we talk about the you know the sixteen dollars minimum wage, but we also need to be keeping in mind the distribution of wealth. And if the if the one percenters are getting all the big bucks and they're taking that out of the economy, we could have had a a, a growth in our population here. Mm-hmm. But if ninety five percent of those people don't make enough money to eat at some of these finer dining yeah. establishments, then they won't be going they there. And when that. you have too many of those, then everybody's going to be going upside yeah. down. You can't be a special event
0: place only. You have to have neighborhood uh, support or um, you know, be a local company that people love mm-hmm. and, and go frequently, not just on their anniversary. You, yeah. you can't make it. No. Yeah. No. So. That's so, anyways,
2: that's my spiel. Yeah.
0: The other thing that has changed a lot, and and this is not new news, but um, neighborhoods, hello, neighborhoods were not the place for restaurants, especially kind of nicer, you know, where you got really good food. It might be a burger joint or a cafe or something, and now neighborhoods have all kinds of restaurants. You know, at every level, Some and do, that's yeah. that's changed a little. You know,
2: yeah. I mean, I mean, certainly. You know, if you, if you go out from downtown, yeah, there's you know the Fremonts and the Wallenfords and yeah. all that. And well, uh, I was
0: thinking even a, you think about Queen Anne and you've got like how to cook a wolf. Mm-hmm. You've got Eden Hill. Those are nice places. They're expensive, mm-hmm. um, but you can get a really fine meal. And you know, and now Eden Hills opened their their new place, so you can get a you know not the tasting menu experience, but just you know a little less expensive and a little more casual. So there's those, but there's also the Elliott Bay Pizza Company um, with the flame broiler in it. There's the Queen Anne Cafe. Well, but, and those you, are, know, you, know, you
2: know, well, the Elliott Bay Pizza Company and the flaming broiler, the burger flame or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's stuff we don't put in our restaurant.
0: Exactly. But I'm saying neighborhoods have everything from that yeah. to how to cook a wolf.
2: Yeah. yeah. So. so when am I getting something nicer up here in Broadview? Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I like my Saltoro. It's yeah, but okay, Bix but went we lost Bix, and yeah. So we're 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 looking. Anybody want to come up here and make a killing in Broadview? <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll support you. You know, there's a lot of people in this Bring area. Bring your grass fed organic food up here, and we're going to be <laughs> on
0: board with you. You're going to have to, uh, I think, take over and do the Broadview kitchen right here in the living room.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. Invitation only. Get on yeah. your open table now. You know. <clears throat> Not so far from the truth. People are doing that. So it would be interesting. The little pop-up at my house?
0: No, I was thinking specifically about uh, Lily and David Kong, who own Perque No. Mm-hmm. Their son, mind you, is in Singapore. But he is doing very high-end, all-organic, six to eight people, one, one turn a night um, in his home.
2: Oh, so interesting. I Interesting.
0: I, I'm thinking that but that's the, in
2: Singapore in Singapore. So <laughs> you, you know, the you rules. had to go through with the health department oh, yeah. to pull that off. Here. The rules would be
0: so different here.
2: <laughs> all right. So where have you been eating?
0: Well, you know, um, I, in September, put on the cooking with class event and that overtakes my life. So I have not eaten out a lot, but I will say before I get off the subject that we raised one hundred and forty five thousand dollars this year. You, everybody, Thank you so much for all that support. So uh, one of the meetings we had about cooking with class, we brought in evergreen salads. Now, I've been to one of the evergreens places, and I did a story on them, and I thought they were fine. They brought that in, and for some reason, it was just incredibly good. It was just a delicious salad. It was very fresh, and this was you know, brought in. It wasn't even right from the counter, you know, because they make it right there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it was just delicious, and so I was really pleased to see that.
2: Nice and crispy, right?
0: Yeah, it was crisp and we liked
2: those crispy greens. Yeah,
0: and the it had mine had turkey and beets and all kinds of things that were just delicious.
2: And you got a new place down the hill from you on Queen Anne. Too. Yeah,
0: this has been here less than a year, but it's called Dandelion and it's um two brothers who own it. One of them also owns Grapple with a friend on top of the hill. So there's you know, people doing their thing in the neighborhood. Um and we ate there, and I, it was really fun. We went at happy hour before a movie, and it was very reasonably priced. We had some octopus. We had a ricotta, um, garlic ricotta on toast, and um, one other thing. Oh, seared cauliflower. So relatively healthy kind of things, you know. It was very good. Um, I had a, a wine from Portugal, which I liked. Oh, no, sorry. It was from Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really good, and I it was – It seemed to be sort of busy, you know, for a midday, weeknight thing. We were there early. But the other thing is the owner took me back to show me the speakeasy because I had asked to see it. It's only open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and it really seems like a speakeasy. I mean, you have to go through a door that is locked. Somebody has to take you back there. It goes a little aisle past the office for the restaurant through another door and then through a door that slides and then you're in it, and it's like velvet banquettes and a bar, and there's no food service yeah, back where there. You have wear the
2: stockings with the seam up the back? No, but it would be fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, um,
0: very fun. You can rent it out. You could do a little buyout on it. It's not a big place. I, I didn't, I'm going to check prices and see what that would be like, but you can have your own party there or what, you know. So, it's, it's a, kind of an interesting thing they've done down there.
2: Yeah, good. Good. Yeah, I'll have about, to go check it out sometime. Yeah, what about you? Uh, so I just had lunch today. Today we're recording on Friday. I had lunch in Gilman Village at Masa, oh, a Mexican restaurant in Gilman Village. Is that new? I don't recall that name. I had seen it before, so it looked like it was fairly new. Yeah, um, I went in right about eleven thirty or twelve, and uh, I was in there about forty five minutes. And nobody came in. Oh, no. And there was three or four people working. Ooh. So, you know, you can say that the minimum wage is taking you down, but when you don't have any business to start with, yeah, yeah it's going to feel that way. Yeah. Because you're paying more money on the labor and you don't have the business to pay the labor. Yeah, to support it. So there there was a prime example of what I was thinking about already. Yeah. Um. The food was okay. The service was not good. Uh, uh, I basically had to get up and go find the server so I could pay my check. Oh, god! Um, you are
0: the only paying customer, and they yeah, don't want to take
2: your money. I don't know if they were busy working on their phone or what. <laughs> um, and and the temperature inside was about sixty-two degrees, ooh, and ooh. I didn't bring a jacket in because <gasps> i didn't I didn't even take one with me today. Yeah, so um, I. I I can't say I'd be going back there anytime soon. Well, and you know, in our earlier discussion, you were talking about
0: it's not just the money, it's these other things. And and look at that. In one short visit, there's like three or four things that have gone wrong. Yeah. One
2: thing, you might go back.
0: Three or four things, they don't have their act together.
2: No. uh -uh. They did get an excellent rating from the health department, so that was good. Yeah. Uh, And that helped me decide where I was going to eat because there was another restaurant that I was going to eat at, but they only had a... Good. Good. (laughs) Just okay. I went somewhere the other day that, uh, okay. So anyways, that's that's my reply. I haven't really been eating out a lot either otherwise. Yeah. So when we get to the tips and tricks at the end, you'll know why I haven't been eating out. Uh Uh-oh. You know, the other thing, too,
0: is um, on the other end of things that Eden Hill Provisions, as I mentioned earlier, opened on Queen Anne, and we went to go there the other night, and it was about 5 o'clock, and they couldn't get us in until 8.30.
2: And it was half empty. Yeah, but they had reservations. I know. So. But, you know, people bail on those, too. Yeah, yeah. So. The, interesting. Yeah, well, and see, the thing about that is it's, it's, a, it's up on Queen Anne. It's it's a little neighborhood thing. Everybody wants to check it out. And then uh, a couple of weeks from now, not going to be a problem, probably. Yeah.
0: well. The other thing is people do love Chef Max, and they love Eden Hill down the street. So Mm -hmm. he's got a built-in crowd that loves him. I think it will probably stay fairly busy, but I don't think it will stay like you can't get in until 9. Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right, let's take a little break. And when we get back, we got the latest tidbits from the News Bites file.
1: Mm -mm -mm. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Queen Anne Olive Oil. Explore their huge selection of flavor-infused olive oils and balsamics. Mix and match to create some unique taste treats. Take a field trip soon to the top of Queen Anne and experience oils and vinegars in a whole new way. Find more information at QueenAnneOliveOil.com.
2: Hi, my name is John. I'm from Edmonds and my favorite restaurant in Edmonds is Bar Dojo.
1: Hi, this is Kurt Beecher-Dammeyer and you're listening to The Seattle Dining Show.
2: are back on the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Marin, the publisher. I'm here with the front of the house, Miss Connie Adams, Not and she that is going to read to you the news bites. In a really endearingly exciting way.
0: That's what's going to happen. Yeah. So, in Ballard, it's coming to Ballard, Kitchen Istanbul. It's going into the former American Alehouse location. This was the Maria Heinz place that was a Mediterranean kind of place mm-hmm. and then she changed it into American Alehouse.
2: Now, has there has there been a kitchen in Istanbul before?
0: Not that I am aware of, okay. but I do believe this person owns another restaurant someplace. I'm not sure if it's a okay. Istanbul or not. Um, And and I haven't been in Ballard for a couple of weeks, and it says coming soon on the sign. So it could be there now, or perhaps it's still coming soon. Then a little shocker for people who love sandwiches, Delicatus in Pioneer Square will close mid-month October at the end of their 10-year lease, and you will um, be interested in this. The reasons are high rent, construction projects, homelessness, safety or lack thereof, and changing
2: traffic patterns. Yeah, that's all new for Pioneer Square. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I think the homelessness and the
0: safety kind of goes up and down. I mean, I can remember being, you know, in my twenties and not feeling
2: safe there, and then feeling very safe I, in my thirties. I've never yeah. been down there and not seen a homeless situation. Oh going yeah, on. yeah, yeah. You know, maybe maybe you went there when you were thirty, when everybody was sleeping up. On third or something, but uh, yeah, it's it's, it's no. Never I, I gone was away.
0: referring more to the safety aspect. There mm-hmm. there have been times when I've been like really scared to be there, and some that I just um have no problems being there. But yeah.
2: well, that one, uh, one of one of those times was daytime, and the other yeah. time was nighttime.
0: Well, and the other thing, if you're a restaurant <laughs> now, I don't know how late they were open, but I don't know, I wouldn't really want to be sending my staff out there at two a.m. You know? No. Uh-huh.
2: So I, you know. I, I don't know why someone would open a restaurant down there, honest to God. I yeah. just don't know why.
0: Well, because it's close to the stadiums. You get a lot of foot traffic. It's the older part of town, the historic part, so there's a lot of tourism. Close there are reasons.
2: There are reasons, but... <laughs> close, we close at 8. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we close when we feel like it. Uh, Bar Tonglio opened in September in the Exchange Building downtown. This is part of the Hitchcock Restaurant Group, Chef Brendan McGill. This is all about Roman dishes, Italian products, local produce, meat and fish, pizza by the square. It's square pizza. Mm
3: -hmm. And
0: interestingly, I think they're trying to bring the martini lunch back in a smaller way. They're offering two
2: ounce martinis. So that sounds like a way to sell you about four martinis at lunch. I'm thinking so.
0: Or if you're a responsible person who just really can't make it through lunch without a drink. Two ounces, you could probably go back to work.
2: But, uh, I guess, do they have little miniature martini glasses to put those two ounce martinis into? I would hope so. Otherwise, you'd get it and feel chipped. Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah. I'm sure they there and do. And go, uh, hey, we're, what the heck?
0: Yeah. I hope they're not like shot glasses because then people just shoot them and, you know, that would be bad. Hey, here's some news. Hey, Duke Seafood and chatter has gone 100% organic chicken. Hadn't heard that before. You stole my thunder early on in the program. <laughs> Honestly. So that's the, uh, you know, that's a scoop there. We move that on. Uh, we Eden we Hill, applaud
2: Duke and uh, Chef Bill. Yeah, for doing that. For uh, making those moves toward better food and healthier food for the customers to eat. Making that commitment. We appreciate it. Did they get the chicken from New Zealand? <laughs> Please,
0: no. <laughs> um, number five is Eden Hill Provisions, which we've already talked about. I so heard that one before. We're just going to scoot right on back. A uh, brunch has started And lunch will come. So we didn't talk about that.
2: And there's a burger-to-go window. I didn't see that. I didn't
0: see that, but I'm wondering if it was. They had the side uh, doors open because it was uh, Farmer's Market Day, and they Mm -hmm. had a few tables out there. I'm wondering if it's on that side. Do not know.
2: Uh oh I haven't heard this one. Landry's picked up Restaurants (laughs) Unlimited for a cool $37.2 million, the cost of the debt. Interesting. Yeah, so... We're just whipping through these because we already talked oh, yeah. about yeah. So this also includes Henry's Taverns, of yeah. which there's three?
0: Uh well there's one in Portland at the airport, mm-hmm. and maybe more. There's one at um at the stadiums and there's one in Bellevue. Are and there- there's
2: one in Seattle, in the old Martins location, right?
0: No, no, no. That's the spin.
2: That's the oh, ping okay. pong place. Yeah, yeah.
0: Which gets back to my point about uh changing demographics. Morton's went out and a ping pong place went in. Goodbye
2: steaks, hello ping pong. Yeah, well
0: I'm thinking, you know, they're hitting the millennials and a younger crowd. I don't know. Um, Retro Restaurant and Lounge downtown is now running the Belltown, running uh, their operation in the Belltown pub space. I don't know if you realize that the Belltown pub went down. We haven't talked about it. I didn't know that. Yeah. So uh, Belltown pub was always dog friendly and it is still going to be dog friendly. It's going to open at 9.30 on Sundays for NFL games, and they're closing at 2 a.m. every night. So industry people
2: and late-nighters can do that. I wonder how you have a dog-friendly restaurant when the King County Health Department doesn't want a dog in the restaurant.
0: I don't know, because it's been that way for a while, so it's got to be some kind of uh Is there like a doggy permit? lounge
2: you park the dog in? <laughs>
0: I hope not. Poor babies. Anyway, they're doing Tex-Mex and kind of bar food like nachos, wings, onion rings, and burgers. So that's that story. Locust was – I think it was you I was talking to about this. Um, They started very small out in Woodenville, and they are still in their Woodenville space. And uh, they were talking about getting distribution in order and things like that. It was slow-moving. All of a sudden, you know, they opened in Alki Beach several months ago. There was, there's one in Ballard, under the old uh, Kickin' Boots place. That's now the oh yeah place I can't think of the name of right now. And now they've opened on the Harbor Steps downtown. They've opened in Walla Walla, and the, they've got a Spokane space plant. So they are moving. They
2: must have gotten money. They're setting themselves up to get bought by Landry's.
0: There you go, and they'll close all
2: of them. Like five locations now. Yeah. Huh? Wow!
0: And now they're doing, along with the 16 siders, they are now serving food, which they didn't used to. So that's interesting,
2: too. Now, you know, I'm going to say something here okay. because we just watched uh, a whole series of motorcycle businesses go down. Oh, yeah. And when I see that kind of growth over a short period of time where somebody's getting into their fifth location in Spokane right now, I, I just kind of want to slap the banker across the head and say, what are you doing, man? You know, these people must be seriously in debt. Well, with all the cash flow that it takes to do those build outs and then they don't even have time to make enough money to pay down some of the debt and then they just build it up even higher and higher, I think that's wrong well, if that's what's happening, like evergreens
0: just they got investment money and they just boomed but
2: it's i don't know if they have to pay that back or well if those look are at investors. The lodge. Yeah. The Lodge had serious financial issues oh, yeah. because they just expanded so quickly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't care if it's investment money or money from the bank. It's just yeah. somebody's got to get paid back and there isn't the kind of revenue to pay stuff. You know, when I worked in in uh, in retail down in Los Angeles, our company had a rule That when uh, we'd open up a store and when that store became profitable, we'd open up the next store. And then we wound up with 36 profitable stores that way. Yeah. But this idea of popping up five locations in 24 or 12 months is absurd.
0: Yeah. On the other hand, I remember Tom Douglas telling me one time the profit margin on restaurants is so thin you have to do a bunch of other stuff. Now, he was talking about the – the line of rubs and, thing, and cookbooks and things like that, as mm-hmm. opposed to opening another restaurant. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that may be something that's changed, that unless you have volume, you can't make it. I don't know. But it does seem like they go down too fast. So, Ula, speaking of expanding, has put a second still down in Georgetown, and in a couple weeks, they are going to open a tasting room there. And they are doing mini cocktail flights. So they two ounces? I don't know, but it may get back to those tiny glasses you were asking about. Yeah.
2: Boy, there's a market for tiny glasses. If you got them, we yeah. got a couple places you can get them placed <laughs> into.
0: And your your glass business will not go down. They're going to feature Manhattans made with their in-house Amaro. That might be kind of interesting. And Ronald Holden will be glad to know that they're going to feature Negronis and It'll other gin drinks. be testing, I'm sure. Exactly. They are next door to Mercer Wine's Estate Tasting Room and the Lowercase Brewing Tasting Room. So that's kind of interesting that they're putting all the beverage things there. That's gonna cover some territory for people who love to drink. And then uh on September twenty-seventh, the San Juan Seltzery tap room, kitchen and bar opened. This is that partnership between San Juan Seltzer and Ethan Stoll restaurants. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's going to be a play area for kids, heated patio, fire pit. The Aldi menus inspired by the sea. So San Juan chowder, cotton chips, Dungeness crab cakes, mussels or clams frites, tuna poke, and, of course, a burger. Um, there are 12 San Juan seltzers there, and these are spiked, 85 calories, no sugar, no carbs.
2: And the kids are having them, too? No, because they're spiked.
0: In the play area? Maybe that makes them quiet or crazy. i well, tell you, sure. when a
2: restaurant says they have a play area, I I'm ain't going. going there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you are not around your grandchildren, and you do not have small children.
2: Cranky so. old Grandpa Tom.
0: <laughs> so the last one was the surprise closing announcement of Sitka and Spruce. Matt Dillon has decided he's closing his Melrose Marketplace after service on New Year's Eve. So there's a, a little time left. So it's why do you think that is? Well, the thing I read said that it was like having Sitka and Spruce in Seattle and going forward with that does not make me a better employer, a better friend, a better father. And that is my goal this year is to be better.
2: So I don't know what that means. Maybe then i just try to sell it to somebody. Yeah. I'm not saying he didn't try to sell yeah. it. He didn't say he did. Yeah.
0: But it's interesting that uh, whatever he's having to do with sitting and spruce is not making him happy, clearly. Hmm. So, hmm. Another little restaurant mystery.
2: Well, you can digest that for a few moments. We'll take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to get into the calendar.
1: Support for Seattle Dining and The Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Esquin Wine and Spirits. Drop by and check out one of the widest inventories of wines from around the world, as well as local and international spirits, all procured by their expert staff. Is your wine collection ready for a new home? Esquin offers monthly wine store storage lockers in a temperature-controlled environment. Visit their website at madwine.com today.
3: Hi, my name is Leslie and I'm in Seattle now, but I was in Bellingham for 15 years and have always eaten at this Thai restaurant called Busara and it has better Thai food than even I had in Thailand and it's amazing.
2: Hi, this is Bob Harris with Robert Ramsey Sellers and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Back on the Seattle Dining Show with the calendar segment, and uh, we can't actually tell you all the events that are going on this month because there's not enough time on the show to do that. So, to get to take get a look at everything that's going on, be sure you take some time and go to seattledining.com and click on the calendar link there. Connie, what are the highlights?
0: The highlights. Uh, there's a group, a nonprofit. don't really know a lot about them, but it's called Seattle Made, and they um, have been using our calendar a lot, and they do, uh, it's a lot of local businesses trying to get in front of people. So they'll do various tastings, demos, looks at products at various locations. It can go from no charge to get in to a charge to get in, lots of different events. So I'm just bringing it up to say, look at the calendar, There's they're doing some stuff and it's all local. So, you know, check them out. Teaser. That was a teaser. a teaser. Um, Saturday, October 5th at 5 p.m. is the Fresh Hop Ale Festival in Yakima. Interestingly, I'm not actually sure who said this, but they are advertising it as one of the 10 best beer festivals in the nation. $45 general admission. Doesn't seem horrible. Over 60 breweries, 7 wineries and cideries, and home brews on hand. Live music. And there's food and merchandise available for purchase.
2: Well, uh, I guess that one of the beer aficionados will have to go and confirm that it is one of the ten best. Yeah, And make sure, while you're in Yakima, make make sure you stop in and get a burger at Sonic. Yeah, for sure, because that's the top, top burger. Oh, that's just one of the ten best burgers in America, right there. Someone
0: actually said this on Facebook the other day. That's why we're making fun. I have never actually... Had food that had no flavor whatsoever, and that was at Sonic.
2: It was horrible, yeah. I didn't, I wasn't sure <laughs> what the draw was, but it made Kid Valley look like premium stuff, you know. <laughs> Man,
0: well, if you can, uh, you're really not going to be able to do them both because they both start at five, but on the same day, Saturday, October 5th. Daniel's Broiler in Bellevue is doing their fourth annual Single Malt Saturday. It's pretty incredible. It's the largest collection of single malts on the West Coast. They have some things on display. You're going to be able to sample them. Uh, they have brand reps on hand to talk about the history of it and answer questions. A large selection of heavy appetizers. That's $125 regular admission plus tax and grad. Or if you want to go VIP and do a master class, it's 175 then you can take a day of rest on Sunday, and on Monday, October 7th, from 7 to 9 p.m., you can go to the private French brandy tasting at the Barrel Thief. And I'm just going to put a little plug in here for my friend Joan Harkins, who is Beauchamp, imports and, and imports ciders, French ciders and brandy, like Calvados. Mm-hmm. Um, she brings things from family-owned, generationally-owned um Businesses in France dynasties dynasties. So she's bringing really great stuff, and it's not like you know, um, you know, apple cider from Safeway that she's importing. Right. It's really great stuff. Um, this event is forty two ninety nine with service fees. Um, it's a brandy pairing with brandy master Eric Foralt, who's coming from France. Um, the, the Barrel Thief's head chef, Hattie Mason's doing seasonal appetizers, and there's a flight of six French brandies, two of which are Calvados.
2: And none of which are Calvados. served with French fries? None.
0: Okay. Or, or Freedom Fries, for that matter. <laughs> now, the next two are dear to my heart because they're on October 10th, and it's my birthday. Ten ten. So I'm really happy that they're celebrating me in this way. Connie was
2: born in 1910, so it's 10-10-10. That is so cruel. You know it was 1915. Oh. You remember when we had your digital birthday moment? Yes. It was at 1010 in the morning on 1010 in 2010. Yes. Boy, that was fun. It was fun. You made a... And um, there's a commemorative
0: plaque. Yep. Still have it. So um, Daniel's Broiler downtown is celebrating my birthday by having a Japanese whiskey and (laughs) wagyu dinner at 6 p.m., which is very nice. I wish they'd connected with me about it before, because we'll be in Hawaii,
2: but, you know, that's all right. Fortunately, none of our listeners will have to worry about paying the $250 tax and grat to get you in there. That's true, and somebody would have wanted
0: to, I'm sure, so. It's a four-course gourmet dinner featuring Miyazaki Prefecture Japanese A5 Wagyu Filet Mignon and Imperial Domestic Nebraska Wagyu Filet Mignon, and then the course is repaired with four whiskies.
2: Now, if it's an A5 Wagyu, do they actually spray A5 on the side of the cow?
0: Oh, I thought A5 was like a meat sauce.
2: It's a grade, like meat right?
0: Sauce. <laughs> I'm just joking. Like a meat sauce, like A1. How do you jokes. keep I track
2: jo- of your A5 Hello? and your A4 cows?
0: I've got such a great joke. Oh, go ahead. I thought it was like a meat sauce, like A1. Oh, yeah. I'm joking.
2: Yeah. It is a
0: grade, yes. I believe it is a grade.
2: Well, if I ever go by a ranch and I see a bunch of cows walking around with A5, A4, <laughs> A2.
0: Well, also on my birthday, uh, thank you, Ethan. Ethan Stoll is celebrating me by having a Chianti Classico wine dinner at Tavolata Belltown. It's $110 plus tax and grat. I don't know if this is Chiara or Chiara Leonini from Felsina, one of Italy's retown, renowned wine producers. She will be there. And um, the food has, there's a number of things, but I'm just going to tell you a couple because they sound good. Uh, duck arancini with tale- see I don't know,
2: Talegio. Talegio?
0: with the Felsina char- Chardonnay, and then the dry aged bone in ribeye with their Chianti Reserva, and so much more. Reservations are required, so get out there and look at our calendar and find out who you have to call. Then, on Friday, October 11th through Sunday the 13th, various hours. So check it out on the on the calendar. It's Crab Fest.
2: Crab the, Fest. The
0: Dungeness Crab and Seafood Festival, which we never go to. We are consistently out of town on that weekend. Um, it's free admission. But We you, love them anyway. We do love them. Free admission. You pay separately once you're there for food and drink. They've got a just caught whole Dungeness crab dinner with corn and coleslaw. You can have. 14 local and regional restaurants doing seafood items. There's vegetarian stuff, two live oyster bars, a Northwest beer and wine, two live music stations, chef demos, chowder cook-off, family-friendly activities, and it's right downtown on the Port Angeles City Pier. So, lots of fun.
2: Going to be a good one. Mm-hmm. Going to be
0: perfect weather. I hope so. Saturday, October 12th from 6 to 9, speaking of crab and things, Classic Crab and Shrimp Boil at the Forger on Cellars Woodenville Tasting Room. You wouldn't have come up with that, would you? A Crab and Shrimp Boil at the Wine
2: Tasting no, Room. No, i got—I got to believe they're going to have like a big pot out in the parking lot, right?
0: Yeah, it's going to be um, Alaskan Crab and Shrimp, and then they've got uh, sides that they're going to do. This is all on the calendar, so you can check it out. They're showcasing their Anvil Chardonnay, but there's like, four other wines that are going to be there that you get to taste. Mm-hmm. It's $65 for club members and 80 for the general public. So I'm hoping there's a lot of crab and shrimp there. Huh. Then, this is a busy weekend, the 12th through the 13th, Saturday and Sunday, from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., it's the Yakima Valley Catch the Crush. That happens every year. It's $35. The various wineries offer their own activities. That might be grape stomps, harvest, cr- um, crush activities, tours, free-run juice, hors d'oeuvres, live music, and wine tasting with a premier pass you would want to get because that allows you to experience a variety of specialty food pairings, library tastings, and tours that are not available to the general public.
2: For 35 bucks. Yeah. Wow.
0: Kind of a cool thing.
2: Yeah, that's, that's to a big o- deal.
0: To be honest with you, it says on the website $35, and then it talks about the premier pass. And doesn't give you a price.
2: Oh. So
0: I don't know if that's 235, or if 35 is the premier pass, and it's free just to go and then you you know do whatever at the I, I really am not Only sure. One
2: way to find out. Nope. Oh we have the link to their website on our website. Yeah. So. Just go there and check it out.
0: Then Thursday, October 17th, kind of during their open hours, this is very special. It's Pike Brewing's 30th anniversary. So they're going to do two dollar and50 cent drafts of their original beers plus the limited release reunion IPA which was a collaboration it was just made it's a collaboration of past and present Pike Brewers so old brewers got together with the new ones and they made this reunion IPA which is very cl- cool and the $2.50 price is what it what their original beers were charged for in 1982 uh-huh so fun and then 6:30 to 8:30 they're doing live music from and this does sound like a fun band, the fabulous Butt Dial party, party Band. Wow! Yeah.
2: Wow! I just I would just go just to see that band.
0: I know, and they're heavy on the horns, so you would really be happy sound wise. Mm. But it should be a good a good day, and you know,
2: you know, if you want to go down and. Well, I hope Charles wears his jet pack. Yeah. Maybe he'll fill it up with that frisky IPA and do two fifty <laughs> pours right out of his jet pack. <laughs> He just might he's that kind of guy all right let's uh, I just want to remind you all this is on the calendar, and you 'll notice Connie only got up to October seventeenth so there's more mm-hmm. at seattledining.com. dot com I had to make choices I, We try to limit yeah. it to ten so yeah. that 's how it goes in this world. Yeah. Uh, we are going to take a little break. When we come back, Mina Williams is here from blanc rouge and she's got some tips for wine this fall. Yay.
1: Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Revolve True Food and Wine Bar in Bothell, where a passion for wellness, wonderful food, and good wine infuses everything they do. All menu items are free of
2: gluten, grains, preservatives, trans fats, GMO, and soy. Enjoy wild seafood, organic farm-fresh eggs, and seasonal organic produce. Find them at revolvefoodwine.com. Hi, this is Jeff from Des Moines, Washington, that is. On a weekend, uh, Saturday, Friday afternoon, my wife and I love to go down to Salty's in Redondo, sit out on the deck, listen to some live music, and enjoy their great appetizers.
3: Hi, this is Heather Decker with Yakima Valley Tourism, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show.
2: We're back on the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Aaron, the publisher. I'm here with Connie Adams, the front of the house. And we are back with our guest spot. And our guest spot, drum roll please, (laughs) is our
0: favorite wine person, Mina Williams from Blanc and Rouge in Snohomish. Yay! Yay.
3: Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Well,
0: you've been on before and we love the tastings and we love, (laughs) uh, that's the number one, we love the tastings. But um, we love all the background, you know. So we're going to talk today about fall wines, and we'll briefly bring up some Thanksgiving things and also refer you back to uh, last November. If you go back onto seattledining.com and look at show, you can find Mina's visit with us last November and all her Thanksgiving ses- uh, suggestions. And so, we'll
2: try not to repeat any of that.
0: Yeah, she, but she remembers it. She's <laughs> mine like a steel trap. So, But Mina, my first question for you. Is that when I was thinking about you coming on and thinking about, okay, fall wines, and I started to think to myself, is there really a season for wines? Is there still, I mean, you can get anything anytime, basically. Rosé used to be summer, and you can have that anytime. Is there kind of, do you sense it, and do people buy differently, and do you stock differently, or is there really no season?
3: Oh, there are seasons. Okay. Definite seasons. Um, for the last ninety days we've been drinking whites and light pink roses. Mm-hmm. and now fall is upon us, and we're we're craving more comfort things, comfort mm-hmm. foods, you know uh, beef stew yeah. um, a big over size sweater that you can just wrap <laughs> yes. up in uh the last 82 installments of some netflix thing that you wanted to sit <laughs> on the couch <laughs> while you eat your stew <laughs> and 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 drink the ever popular pumpkin spice latte <laughs> there are definite definite seasonal desires mm-hmm. okay um but we're in this kind of area right now between, you know, the beginning of October through November, where it's kind of fall light. hmm Yeah. Um, you're not quite ready for a big Cabernet. Mm-hmm. And you just don't know where to go. Yeah. So that's why yeah. I'm here today with all my little bottle friends. <laughs> love your friends. <laughs> so the first thing I wanted to talk about, you're going to hear ice now. Yes. We actually
2: do taste Don't on mind the all the noise on the table here. We're, we're pouring the wine for the first tasting. And we'll try
0: so, not to just go silent like we always do when we're <laughs> tasting. It's like suddenly not one of us are speaking.
3: So while you may not be ready to quite give up all the rosés, mm-hmm. um, one thing that goes exceptionally well with turkey is a heavier rosé, mm-hmm. a darker rosé. This one is from Italy. And what so, grape? Sangiovese. Oh, okay. Um so that that's kind of one that could still be in the game. Mhm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I've noticed uh, that there are a lot of different rosés from uh, from different grapes that I didn't use to see darker grapes. mm
3: mm-hmm. Mhm.
0: So Are those good, too, or are those going deep into winter?
3: Um, I would enjoy those on a a wet summer Seattle evening. Mm,
0: Okay. That happens. Kind of like the one right now?
3: Yeah. (laughs) 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 The uh, one wine that I – one rosé that I really see making traction is rosé from Cabernet Franc.
0: Yes. I think Um, maybe that's what I
3: heard most recently. It's delicious. Is it? It's ah. just flat-out delicious. So, so so what's the this, name of this This one? is
2: called a, 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 a it says Forti?
3: That is the uh, producer. Okay. And then Rosato.
2: It's a Rosato.
3: Which is rosé, but in Italian, mm-hmm. so it sounds it really sounds better. cool. Yeah. But
2: uh, <laughs> getting a rosé from a Sangiovese <laughs> isn't very common when we produce American wine.
3: But, we don't grow much salmon, yeah, no we don't grow sand. that
2: much of that, um and what I'm noticing about this is it's not sweet like a rose. it's a very dry rose, and uh, so if you've been drinking the sweet rose all summer, go to this one because it's uh it'll give you a little different.
3: I get a little
0: edge on, on my tongue palate. too,
3: yeah, it's yeah. Uh, pretty acid, yeah, yeah,
0: but, but I like it very much, yeah,
3: just lovely.
0: <laughs> Is that what kind of price rangey?
3: Uh, about fifteen dollars. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So could be seventeen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if we're having a slow week, it's twenty five.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are no so- slow weeks in one. Depends land. on which yeah.
2: which QFC membership card you have. <laughs> yeah. Or-
3: no, go to your wine merchant on the corner so you can get all the personalized service. Yeah.
2: <laughs> exactly. And find wines that you can't find at the grocery store.
3: Yeah. that's uh, Most of the wine purveyors in Seattle work very hard at getting things that you can't just pick up at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. It's really easy once a week as you're rolling your wagon down the aisle to just grab some really pretty-looking bottles at gorgeous pricing. Um, So that's what the grocery stores do really, really well, Mm -hmm. and they entice you, Yeah, and you try new things. Yeah, which is Um, not bad. No, it's perfect. Just do the
2: test and try to find a rosato at the large grocery store.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But if you're looking for something special um, or just don't have a clue of what you want, you know, go into your wine purveyor. Mm-hmm. They know stuff. Yeah.
0: Now are roses ever really complex? Or are they pretty straightforward?
3: Um they're pretty straightforward, but there's a couple producers that produce very fine, elegant rosés. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Berge is one. Oh, yeah. the, their second tier, their upper tier rosé comes in a bottle that looks like a gin bottle. Oh, really? You know, they've done, everyone has done great with packaging. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that one just has a certain elegance to mm-hmm. it that um, I really appreciate. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Um, so it, as you're transitioning into fall... The usual suspects would be a Beaujolais, a Pinot Noir, a Merlot. Mm -hmm. But there are some others Mm. that, you know, I think can add a little fun to your wine palette. Um, The first one that, you know, I just adore summer, winter, fall, spring. Anytime. Is a uh, white Bordeaux.
0: Oh, I love
3: that. Yeah, that Simeon gives it a really full body. Um, they're pretty friendly priced at, mm-hmm. you know, 15 to 30. You mm-hmm. can get a real nice one. Um, the age, the aging and the oak that are used in the processing mm-hmm. of the white Bordeaux really brings out this nutty goodness. Mm-hmm. And that, that, those are
0: in barrels. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And, um, the, this great nutty goodness that can oh. just transcend, you know, from salads to fondue.
0: Mm-hmm. So it can
3: go, it can handle the acids in a, like a vinegar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, fondue. and then in, in Washington, we have some really great producers doing Bordeaux style. Yeah. Uh, one is De Lille with their Chalure, which is oh, yeah. Knock Out of the Park. Um, and that that runs about thirty dollars. Um, as does Adrice, a, oh, yeah. a Woodenville producer, and she has lead foot Louie, uh, <laughs> named after her mother, who had a lead foot. <laughs> so did mine. I thought it was just my family. <laughs> um. So putting together Semillon Blanc with or Semillon and Sauvignon Blanc mm-hmm. together. Um, makes a wonderful fall yeah. beverage. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. So another um, on the and another on the white side would be uh, a, a Rhone blend uh, which would be Marsan and Roussan. Ooh. So those are kind of grapes we don't hear about very often mm-hmm. but they play really nicely together. They are more common now. I mean, I can remember... They're getting
0: there. I don't know how many years ago, but four or five years ago, I'd never heard of either of those. And now I'm seeing them, maybe just because I'm aware of it.
3: You're on the lookout.
0: Yeah. So I see those and I think, <laughs> oh, I
3: like those. i got to see what this one's about. Yeah. So the one I brought is actually from California. Mm. Um, I just met the winemaker. He was up in Seattle and stopped into the shop to say hi. He heard that... I really have a fondness to Napa and Sonoma, oh, good. and he grew up in Napa and he's working in Sonoma. Um, so Kivelstadt is Kibbelstadt. is the producer. Okay, and what's um, his name? I have to find his business card. Oh, okay, <laughs> I shouldn't have asked because <laughs> if he's listening, but he's. He, I just we had such a great uh, session. Oh uh, yeah, it was wonderful. Um. So with all these really great whites, you know, man does not live with white alone. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Or woman does not live. (laughs) So fantastic reds um, would really be more light, um, like a Barbera. Oh, yes. Um, And those... The, the ones that I think are the best examples of a Barbera do come from Piedmont in oh, okay. Italy. Um, you can find them for $15. Oh, wow. And less, yeah. even. I was at um, PFI yesterday, mm-hmm. and they had a whole bunch of Barberas. It was wow. fantastic. Yeah. You forget that they do wine. Yeah, I was thinking of them as a food right. importer. Yeah, It's. I was going in for cheese. And... <laughs> Their Barbera selection was stunning. Oh, wow. And some of the things were like in the 8 and $9. Wow. So they probably bought palettes. <laughs> yeah, which is good. We should make a little trip ourselves. Yeah. Um, and then it's, uh, I kind of call it with a, a wink, it's Kid Sister Dolcetto, <laughs> which translates loosely uh, into Little Sweet One. Oh which is what I call my children my little oh. dolcetto's <laughs> And they really aren't but. no they're not <laughs> But for a glimmering moment yeah. they are um, the dryness of a dolcetto uh the it has a little bit more tannin than a barbera uh but that dryness mm-hmm. kind of tempers it Yeah Um and you can snag a great dolcetto for fifteen to twenty dollars. Wow! So you mm-hmm. know none of these are are huge yeah. big spenders. <laughs> um, what would you pair a
0: dolcetto with particularly? <laughs>
3: um. Well, there was a hope of chicken parmesan. <laughs> <laughs> that has been removed from the table. <laughs> yeah. We have food here too. <laughs> um, just all kinds of cured meats. Okay. Um, I think you can do beef with it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, so a wide range.
3: It's just a very versatile red. Yeah. Okay. So. Another really versatile red is the Grenache, mm. which is real kind of fruity, strawberry, jammy. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them come from the Rhone area. So the, the hallmark, landmark uh, Grenaches would be out of Chateau Neuf de Pop, mm. plus also blended with Syrah and Merlot Ooh. and a bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, for the Chateau Neuf de Pop. For a Cote de Rhone, you know, it would be the Grenache Serra mm-hmm. Um And the Cote de Rhones, they run about 15 to 20. Oh, really? Chateau Neuf de Pops are 30 yeah. and up. Yeah. <laughs> but boy, are they tasty. <laughs> There's a reason. <laughs> um, and I ran across Elephant 7 in Walla Walla. Is that a producer? Yeah. I've never heard of that. They're a winery, and their yellow bird, Grenache, which Ooh. sells for $30, uh, was my favorite of everything they make. Really? I was like, I'll take some bottles. Yes. Huh. Wow. So we can also look within Washington as well as looking to Spain. Ooh. Their Grenache, um, they have improved their production. Um, by leaps and bounds over the last 40, 50 years. Mm -hmm. Um, They're using technology really smart
0: Mm.
3: and their wines are beautiful. Oh, wow. So the, so look at the Spanish Grenache. They also have exceedingly great price points. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and then when you get tired of the fruit forward selections, like a Grenache, Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) Um, I would shift your attention to Cab Franc. Mm. Uh, You get strawberries and plums, and hidden there in the background is a little chili bell pepper, Mm. some peppercorns, Mm -hmm. uh, just to kind of keep your interest. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite Cab Franc uh, would be one from the Loire Valley in France, Mm -hmm. which is just south of Paris. It's a little bit lighter than some of the presentations from California and oh, okay. Washington, and um, they usually run in the seventeen to thirty range. Mm-hmm. And there are excellent uh, presentations from Washington. My my two favorites, I can't pick. <laughs> um, <laughs> one is Covington Sellers, oh. and that's right about twenty five, yeah. and Janik, which is about oh. thirty five.
0: Some nice Janic and, wines, and
3: yeah, the Janic uh, Cab Franc is is just luscious, mm. just luscious. Um, and then, kind of rounding out uh, these fall wines would be Zinfandel
0: mm.
3: in America mm-hmm. and Primitivo in Italy. Oh, okay. So there's some dispute whether they are one and the same, but
0: <laughs> yeah, is there?
3: Uh, because it's they're really close cousins. Oh, if okay. Okay. If they're not yeah. one and the same.
0: Yeah. All right. I've heard of Primitivo before, but I didn't know you know that there was any connection yeah. to Zinfandel. Yeah. Um I still have some horrible baggage from years and years ago when Zinfandel was hmm. white.
2: Oh, no. no Remember? No. That, no oh, still I th- good white. <laughs> It's so good now, white. Uh-oh. It was the bridge for many young wine drinkers because it, yeah. it was white and it was sweet enough that... The
3: gateway. They wine. could yeah.
2: grab onto it instead of all the torment they went through just to drink beer <laughs> at an earlier age. Or
0: Thunderbird. It could be worse. <laughs> Matus. Ah.
3: Oh, no, that was date Matus night. was not the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, and you also might remember how sweet and cloying Mm-hmm. Uh That's one presentation. Mm-hmm. Another style, <laughs> uh, which would go with fall, would be the richer style that mm-hmm. I've just poured in your glass. This is from delicious, actually. Angel Vine, Columbia Valley.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm.
3: Um, so you'll get some jam and smoke, uh, cinnamon, chocolate, some raisins rolling around. Yeah, that's, that's good. really Good, I like that. Um, that would go
2: good with your barbecue.
3: Yep, yep. Oh, ribs, mm. Mm. hands down.
2: Yeah, you know what I was thinking about was uh, October is sort of like your your month to to cook up all the things that you didn't get to cook up during the summer. Mm-hmm. And it might be some pork things, you know. Maybe maybe you did some ribs, but you didn't do a shoulder or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Mexican food you want to you want to grab a couple Mexican dishes you haven't made all summer. Maybe a little arroz con pollo or something like that. But uh, you, you know you got to catch up on all this stuff because the next thing you know it's Thanksgiving and Christmas and you can't do it. Hmm. Oh, you can. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the
3: one thing about Zinfandels. To kind of just be aware of is that their alcohol content mm. is uh, hovers around 15 mm. and beyond. Well, wow, no <laughs> wonder I'm sucking this down. Yeah. <laughs> so slow down there, girl. <laughs> mm, um, interesting. Besides Washington and Puglia in Italy, um, some of the best Zinfandels ever uh, come out of Lodi. Oh back to Lodi again. Now, is that because that is so hot during the day? So hot. And they have some of the oldest vines in the country that weren't ripped out during Prohibition.
0: Okay. Thank
3: God. As do some uh, very obscure little vineyards up in Sonoma and Napa Mm -hmm. also. Um, Uh,
0: Just makes me want to go on a road trip.
3: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Makes me
2: want to play CCR. (laughs) clear Clearwater oh, Revival oh, stuck yeah. in Lodi again.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so the angel vine um, is about twenty dollars. Okay. for this lovely little that's Zinfandel. really. I've,
0: I was thinking it was going to be more than that. Oh. because of the flavor and the yeah, depth because and,
3: yeah, um, and then two vintners. From Washington, oh, yeah. they do a knockout one that we can't keep on the shelves at oh. Blanc & Rouge. Wow. And it's about $30. Wow. Um, there's a producer in California, do, and they do some glorious blends that are mm. heavy Zinfandel. Okay. But then they kind of round them out with some other things. Yeah. You know, give them a, just a different little spin. Yeah. I like that. Um, my favorite... Is Clinker uh, Brick, which is a California producer.
0: Never heard of that either. And
3: they have one called Old Ghost. Oh. And how it's outside of Lodi and how the vineyard is situated um, in the valley. The fog that rolls in in Mm -hmm. that area settles Mm -hmm. in this vineyard. Oh, wow. And the vines are very, very old. And if you've ever seen an old Zinfandel vine, it kind of looks like a person holding its arms Arms up. Don't go there at night. Right. Ooh. (laughs) It's spooky. (laughs) So it's aptly named Old Ghost. Old Ghost. It is $42. (laughs) Wow. But it is an exquisite... Wow! Expression you from tell. coming back. Yeah.
0: Well, speaking of ghosts, we're going to remind you once again to go to the Ghost of Previous Thanksgivings and listen to Vina's um, talk about Thanksgiving wines from last November. And Vina, thank you so much for being here.
2: This thank has been so, so fun. Again.
3: My pleasure. This is great. Thank you.
2: We're going to take a little break when we come back. I think we got some tips and tricks.
1: Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, my name is Miles, and I live
2: in Kelowna, British Columbia. When I visit Seattle, my favorite restaurants are any of the Ethan Stowe or Tom Douglas restaurants. Hi, this is Carrie from Tavolo, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show.
0: We are back on the Seattle Dining Show with Tom Marin, publisher, and myself, Connie Adams. And we are just about to wrap it up. Can't believe it. Our October show is almost over. But we always like to leave you with a couple
2: of tips or tricks. Do you want to go first today? Sure. Um, I was buying my daughter-in-law a cookbook because she just had a new baby. Yeah, And she likes to do organic food just like I do. So it was the organic baby food cookbook that I got, and as I looked at the preview pages of it, I thought, hey, hey wow, this, uh, this could be kind of a really nice book to have around for doing purees, yeah. and you know what's more fun than feeding your guests baby food is what I said. Yeah, and not telling them. Yeah, tell them later, <laughs> and, uh, and so I got it, and um, I learned a really cool little trick about jam. You know, any jam you get at the grocery store, I don't care if it's organic or regular, it's usually full of sugar. could be organic cane sugar. I don't know, but I'm not really – I don't want to put all that sugar in my body. And uh, what this book suggests is that you take either fresh raspberries or even frozen raspberries and uh, take about – for one serving, take about 10 to 12 raspberries, put them in a ramekin. And then mash them with a fork. Mm -hmm. And you know what you get? Jam. The best raspberry jam you ever had without all the extra sugar added, mm-hmm. without any of the preservatives, nothing. It's just pure raspberry jam. You did this the other night, and it was quite good. Yeah. Now, uh, with the frozen, what sometimes happens is you get a little too much loose moisture going yeah. on. So all you do is uh, just uh, ball up a paper towel and dab it in there and suck up some of that oh, excess okay. moisture, and that way you can keep a, a thicker content going. Yeah. And uh, – <clears throat> I've been uh, putting a couple tablespoons of almond butter on a piece of mm. Dave's killer bread, and then putting that raspberry jam over the top of it. Oh my goodness! What a wonderful snack in the afternoon. Yeah, and and not a whole lot of calories. Yeah, because but I use would, those little pieces of Dave's bread. Yeah, you know? but
0: it would fill you up. That's all. It very does. fibrous.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good for you.
0: That's great. So that's my tip. All right. Well, mine's about when you're out and about. And one of the things that that I love when I'm going out is I want to try a couple of different things and I want to have some different textures during a meal. But often, if you do that, it's just way too much food. You know, you've got to order several dishes and, you know, a starter and all this stuff. So go with a good friend or your partner and split dishes and then you can create your own multi-course meal with smaller portions and then you can think about what you're pairing with each course too, because oftentimes if you've if you're having a multi-course meal, you get one glass of wine and it does not go with everything you're eating. Right. So, um, once again, try sharing that. Say we'd like to split a glass of the Chardonnay with our appetizer. Oh, there you go. And then with our, you know, entree, we're going to split a glass of this, and then you get some different wines, which is always fun, a little like personal wine tasting. Mm-hmm. But you're also not over drinking either. You know, and you're not. Banging down a whole glass with every course, so um, that's kind of fun too. Yeah,
2: it's a good tip. Yeah. We do that every once in a while when we, we do. go out to eat. Yeah, so especially when we go to Napa.
0: Yeah, where it's so very expensive too. Where we do all taste. our
2: wine tasting at the restaurant, <laughs> and we save hundreds of dollars. Some of those places
0: are twenty five dollars to taste.
2: Twenty five dollars to taste, and they don't even like uh, say uh, you get a credit of twenty five dollars yeah. on your purchase. Yeah. Wild. Craziness going on in Napa, and it's getting just as crazy up here now, too. Yeah. People are trying to. All right. Well, that's our show. Thanks for joining us. And we're going to come back in November. We'll have more tips and tricks, more calendar, more news bites. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it is free for you to go online, seattledining.com, and click on where it says subscribe free. Yeah.
0: And luckily for us, food is more than sustenance. So please go out, enjoy every experience and the people you're with. We'll see
2: you next month.
1: Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media. and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the host and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Doghouse, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine, online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.